Okay, folks, it's so encouraging to hear the chatter. And I, I'm sorry I have to interrupt you <laughs> because it sounds so good and so healthy. I uh, just want to introduce myself to you and to uh, folks at home. My name is Pastor Bill. And um, I have the opportunity to uh, introduce uh, the guest speaker. But before I do that, I just want to highlight for those who are wondering um, why maybe you don't see Derwin up here or maybe some other elders. They're at a way to retreat right now. And I know they would appreciate their, your prayers. And so I'm going to take a moment just before I introduce Steve to you to pray. In fact, what I'd like you to do is just bow in your own space. Just uh, lift up uh, this group of men and women to, to the Lord, trusting that he is speaking into their lives, speaking into the church, speaking to what uh, his direction is for this church. So just I'll take a moment and allow you just to pray. So, Lord, you've heard each one of these prayers, and we're so, uh, we're at peace to know, Lord, that uh, when you, we call out to you, that you hear us. And so, Lord, all the prayers that have been lifted up on behalf of the elders, we commit to you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, um, I want, it's my privilege to introduce to you uh, this morning um, our guest speaker, uh, Mr. Steve Clausen, and Steve is not uh, unfamiliar to Hillside. He has spoken here over the years, and uh, but I recall the last time you were here, Steve, you were actually speaking to an empty room. Do you remember that? Because we were going through COVID, and we were trying to figure out how do we do this. Remember back then, we were trying to, as staff and leaders, trying to say, how do we deliver um, the message uh, uh, that the congregants need to hear uh, in a COVID context. And so Steve came, I remember we were filming on a Thursday night, and we were able to then show it on a Saturday, a Sunday morning. So Steve, as I said, is also uh, someone who is very much passionate about uh, hearing the voice of God. And uh, uh, he and his wife, Evie, uh, they opened up a center for just doing that. Uh, and it's called the Mark Center. It's out in Abbotsford. I've had the opportunity to go there uh, for a personal retreat. And it's a place where not only it's for personal retreats, but it's for folks who have in groups can go out there and use that facility for just doing that. So he's committed to that. And um, as you heard this morning, he is also someone who has a wonderful trumpet playing ability, right? And so we're blessed to have him do that as well. So um, I want us to just welcome him, and uh, let's allow God to speak through him this morning. Steve, come up. Thank you so much, Bill, and it's great to be with you. I had forgotten about that empty experience, and so I'm grateful this morning that we can uh, look at each other and breathe on each other in this place. God bless you. 
Uh, so I am Steve, and I'm grateful to be married to Evie. And we have not six kids, but seven now, uh, as we sponsored a wonderful young lady from the country of Pakistan. And some of you have heard of MCC. It's a uh, Mennonite uh, mission that really helps with uh, refugees in many parts of the world. And so Jemna came to us as a refugee. Her uh, fiancé was uh, stuck in Thailand, and uh, both Jemna and Wasim in Pakistan were uh, people who were persecuted just because they loved Jesus. And Wasim was falsely accused of defaming the Quran, and in his particular city in Pakistan, it was perfectly legal for a mob of people to grab him, tie him up, and drag him through the city to the point of what he thought was his certain death. And a miracle happened. And uh, somehow Wasim got out from those ropes and escaped. Jemna and Wasim uh, fled to Thailand, where they met some very good friends of ours. Uh, Karen challenged Evie and Steve to uh, sponsor uh, Jemna. That happened. Uh, a family in Quebec sponsored Wasim. And just over uh, two months ago, in our backyard in Abbotsford, I had the great privilege to officiate their wedding. <laughs> and you've never seen this turkey dance uh, as much as I did on one weekend. Uh, wow. A Pakistani wedding. If you haven't been to one, uh, you got to do it. It's, it's a beautiful experience. And so I'm grateful today for uh, Jemna and our other six. And uh, I'm excited about this theme of listening for God uh, my wife and I started this thing called the Mark Center. It is named after the Gospel of Mark, a gospel that you know highlights Jesus. And in that gospel, very early, Jesus is the one who sneaks away, you remember, to a solitary place uh, where he prays. And the description that John Mark, the author, gives to Jesus as he comes out of solitude uh, convinces us that Jesus benefited from that time away. And so my prayer as we were quiet, Bill, was just that God would bless your leaders, that they would be directed, that they would hear and be guided by God in this little retreat. Because uh, it's a beautiful thing when God guides people. And so I believe in a God who does lead and guide, who speaks in a variety of different ways. And just speak out for me this morning. Participate with me. How does God speak in this world? God speaks through thoughts. Say it again. Through his word, the Bible, the scriptures. Yeah, God speaks through the word. A still, small voice. Elijah experienced what was a gentle whisper. Dreams. God speaks through visions, dreams, and nightmares. Yeah, God can speak in all kinds of different ways. Can he speak through a donkey? Balaam would say yes. <laughs> through his creation. Somebody was thinking if you didn't say it. I just said it. Uh, God speaks in all kinds of ways, through music and especially jazz music. That's right. <laughs> so I believe in a God who speaks. And as I look at the back there, and maybe you're looking at it up here, God also speaks to people in hard times. 
And so we want to think about that a little bit today. Um, many years ago, in the country of Hungary, a beautiful family was living and breathing, a Jewish family. And their daughter, Edith, a teenager, was learning how to dance. And in that life, when she was developing her talent so beautifully, all of a sudden, the whole family was taken to a place called Auschwitz that many of you have heard of. And this was in a dark time of history, and uh, Hitler was giving orders. And so this entire family, the Eager family, was taken. And on the first day they were there, Edith saw her parents killed. They were taken to the gas chambers. And a very evil man, an officer whose name you'll recognize, was uh, in charge, and he demanded that Edith, this te teenager, would dance for him. And Edith closed her eyes, and she imagined herself in a beautiful Hungarian theater, and she danced, and she lived. And believe it or not, she is still alive today. She's 95 years old, and she is active. Not only over the years did she learn to forgive the people who persecuted her, who killed her parents, who did horrible, horrible things that we wouldn't want to speak of this morning. Edith learned to forgive them, but she also became a woman to this day who has helped other people hear God in hard times. It hasn't been easy for her. Many years went by where she refused to even think about her experience in Auschwitz. But over time, God helped her to face her emotions and to look at her fear, to look at her anxiety, to look at her anger in the face. And God helped Edith discover something that has been helping Steve in the last few weeks. Because I'm going through a hard time right now. I'm not going to tell you about it, but my wife and I are helping someone, actually a few people, who are going through something that just feels unhealthy to us. We disagree with it. We don't like what's going on, and we wish that we could change it. Maybe we can do something, but a lot of it in life, as you have learned, a lot of things are out of our control. And so here we are, frustrated, having a hard time, and Edith comes along. Edith Eager. She's written a book called The Choice. Some of you have seen it. She's written a book just three years ago when she was 92. She finished a book called The Gift. And Edith would say to Steve, in this hard time that I'm going through, she would say, Steve, is your response going to be, why me or what now? Why me or what now? So today I want you to think about those two possible responses in your life, in my life, as we face difficulty. And I love how Edith doesn't minimize suffering. She says suffering is inevitable. All kinds of suffering happens in the world. Hard times come. But will your response be a why me or a what now? So we're going to explore that a little bit. And we're going to actually go to a story from the life of Jesus. One day Jesus told this story. And as I tell it to you, I want you to think with me about those two responses, those two possible responses of why me or what now. 
And so there are key moments in this story that you'll agree, and I, I want to interact with you a little bit and get you to participate with me as we think of these uh, three main characters in this story and how they responded to different things that were going on around them. Are you with me? If you have a Bible and you want to go to Luke 15, you can do that, but I'm, you don't have to because I'm just going to try to tell it to you. Uh, so Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son came to his father and told him, I want my share of your estate now before you die. His father agreed, and both his sons accepted their share of the land. A few days later, the younger son sold his share of the land and moved to a distant country where he wasted his money with wild living. When he ran out of his money, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He got a local farmer to send him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat even the husks that the pigs ate, but no one would give him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food to spare, and I am dying of hunger? I will go to my father and say, Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. Uh, take me on as a hired slave. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Take me on as a hired servant. So he returned to his father's house. While he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, his father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His father said to the servants, get the finest robe and put it on him. Get the ring for his finger and the sandals for his feet and kill the fatted calf. For we must celebrate with a feast. This son of mine was dead and is now come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older brother was working in the fields. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing he questioned one of the servants and the servant said yeah, your brother is back and your father has killed the fatted calf the older brother was angry and refused to go in so the father came out and begged him but he said all these years i've slaved for you you never gave me a goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back from wasting your money on prostitutes, you celebrate and kill the fatted calf? The father said, son, you have always been with me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. 
what a story. The, the song, the words that we sung together. Thank you, worship team, for those beautiful songs that celebrate the love. The love of God that you felt in that father running to his son, embracing him, kissing him with grace. What do you think of these, uh, these two? Let's, let's think about these uh, characters. The younger son. I was thinking this week that when he was in this distant country wasting his money and then he ran out of money and then a famine came, he might have said, why me? Why a famine when I'm here? This is bad timing. Why did this happen to me? He could have stayed there. I was imagining him just staying and starving to death. Staying, maybe being homeless. Who knows what kind of situation might have developed. But at some point, we're told he came to his senses. And so I like to think of that as a what now? I'm going to go home. Those servants at home have it way better than me right here. I'm going to go back. And I believe maybe, just maybe, that when the father showed his incredible love, that was the moment of true repentance. Who knows? But that son came back, and he was lavished with love. The older brother, what do you think of this older brother? Why couldn't he go in and celebrate? The party was for him as well. Why couldn't he jump in and say, awesome, my brother's back? Anyone? Jealousy. Powerful word, powerful emotion. Someone else. And why was he jealous? What was going on? Where did he go wrong? I like to think he had an inaccurate view of his father. He was saying, oh, you never even gave me a goat for a feast with my friends. But actually, the truth is, everything the father had was his. And so his view of the father was not accurate. And that could have changed. And he could have jumped in and celebrated this awesome return of his brother and the grace and the love and the generosity of his father. So why me and what now are two uh, responses I want you to think about a little bit as you face uh, difficulty. I'm facing a difficult situation and I have to confess to you folks this morning, I have been tempted to enter into the why me and the why is this happening and why doesn't God just stop it? And I can get a little bit discouraged. Uh, over the years, people have told me something about my spiritual identity and they see me as an encourager. And lately, I've been tempted to be a discourager. I've been tempted to get into hopelessness about this situation and anger and Steve's getting a little grumpy and God has come along through Edith and said Steve what now and so the what now is what I want you to think about this morning and I want to focus my heart on the what now in the days to come and so there are all kinds of beautiful things that emerge for me the why me kind of response is pretty small. 
you can get kind of narrow in your thinking, you can get dark, and you can, you can be stuck, and you don't know what to do next. And you actually can't hear too well because you're just mad and you're down and discouraged. But the what now is an opening up. And as we commit to a what now, Lord, I believe there are some good, good things that can happen. You can ask this question, what is God doing? And Evie and I have been asking that question. Okay, Lord, we don't like this situation, but what are you doing? And guess what? God's actually doing some stuff. He's doing some stuff in the people that are being treated poorly. They're still free to make decisions. They're still free to grow. Edith would tell you, if she was standing here, 95-year-old Edith would say that when she was in Auschwitz, she looked at those prison guards and she saw them as the people that were actually in prison. They were more bound than she was. As a teenager, she started thinking this way. And she realized that no one can kill my spirit. No one can take what's in my mind and change it. People can harm me physically, but I am free. And, and our brother reminded us as we took communion that the enemy has been defeated and Jesus is an overcomer and we are linked with Jesus. So we do not have to give in to the things that are happening to us. We don't have to become victims. No, we can live a life where we are saying, okay, Lord, we're in hard times, but what are you doing? And so as we ask that question, we are moved in a good direction. We also can ask a question like this. Lord, what do you want me to do? And I want to remind you this morning that we are walking with a God who often in history has invited people to do something. And usually it's one thing, not a hundred things. I'm walking, you're walking with a God. Like Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, what did Jesus ask those servants to do? Go fill those jugs with water. And that was one thing, doable. They did it. And then what did Jesus ask them to do? Serve it to the master of the banquet. Another thing, one thing. And they did it. And a beautiful miracle emerged that we're still thinking about and talking about and preaching on today at weddings. Hallelujah. It's one thing at a time. And so ask the Lord this week, if you're going through a hard time, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as you do that thing, do it in humility. And do it with a sense of hope in God, not threatening others, not saying I'm taking control. No, I'm going to do what God guides me to do, and I'm going to trust him for the results. And the other beautiful question, maybe more intimate, is, Lord, what do you want me to know? As I'm listening for you in hard times, what do you want me to know? Last week, I was in Red Deer with 12 pastors, just a very short two-hour retreat. And in that retreat, we were celebrating the, uh, the love of the Father, the delight of the Father over Jesus at his baptism. 
I was walking them through the Gospel of Mark a little bit together and seeing how Jesus then, with that delight of the Father over him, and the Father speaking to Jesus with love and warmth and you are my son, then Jesus goes out and starts doing the same thing with people. He singles people out. Guy with a shriveled hand gets healed and restored. Woman who's been bleeding for 12 years gets healed and told that she is a daughter. And so I was talking about that, that uh, beautiful delight of the Father over Jesus and then the delight of Jesus over people throughout Mark. And as we were together, the senior pastor, Dan, heard a whisper. You promised that that's one of the ways that God speak. Last week in Red Deer, Dan heard a whisper. And it was this. Dan, I'm going to single you out today. Now, I'm guiding this time. I have no clue what Dan's experiencing, right? And it's almost time for me to send them into a 20-minute solo time of prayer and listening, journaling. And as I'm doing that, I say to them, well, it's time for you guys to go, and I really pray that God speaks to you. I don't know what he might say to you, but maybe it'll be something like this. And clueless Steve just turns to Dan and says, Dan, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Again, I have no clue what's going on. I send them into 20 minutes of silence. They come back from the silence, and Dan is the first to speak. And I can tell something's going on. And with emotion, he does a beautiful job of communicating to these others, telling them he heard a little whisper while we were studying in Mark together that God wanted to single him out. And then Steve did this thing of, uh, Dan, you are my son, and he fully expected I was going to do it with all 12 of them. And he said, but he didn't. And I felt singled out. What does God want you to know in hard times? Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to know that you are his daughter. You are his son. He loves you. He is well pleased. He delights in you, over you. And he wants to get you through any difficulty that you're going through. It's an amazing, amazing miracle that Edith is still alive today and that Edith is a woman who just oozes the love and forgiveness of our God. I'm thankful that we do not have to live in the why me. We can come to God and say, okay, God, what now? So I don't know what God is speaking to you even as we're here together this morning. I don't know what God might speak to you tomorrow, but I'm encouraging you and me to be still before the Lord and ask him some of these questions. Lord, what are you doing? What now? What do you want me to know? Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord, that even in suffering, in hard times in this world, you are present and you are revealing yourself through your word, through so many different ways, Lord. You are showing us who you are, like that father who ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him, 
and lavished him with love. Lord, we thank you that we can experience you that way today. Amen.